Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. For any of you who are first-time listeners, welcome aboard. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. You can find me on Twitter at Color of the Iris. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight on the show from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you? Super. Doing well. Excited to talk about uh, a lot of pitching on this episode. So we did that last week, so I'm excited to do it again. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and also joining me on the show tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? Ready to talk about the thing I'm most pessimistic about, but my mood is happy. <laughs> yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up for all of us, right? <laughs> pitching is uh, definitely going to be the focus this one. A lot of pitching talk both here locally with the Red Sox and league-wide. Um, and, you know, we'll be talking about some pitch clock stuff, some drive line stuff. We're also going to be placing some wagers on who we think the five starters will be at the end of the day for your Boston Red Sox. Speaking of wagers, attention, Massachusetts and Connecticut listeners, we have an awesome limited time promo for new DraftKings users. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport and get $150 instantly added to your account in bonus bets, win or lose. All you have to do is use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with the code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus, physically present in Massachusetts and Connecticut. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050, valid one offer per customer, minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required, rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. All right. So yeah, like I said, a lot of pitching to talk about in this episode of the Bastards Roundtable. And we're going to start with the Red Sox pitching staff, which, uh, as we hinted, is probably the thing we're most pessimistic about, particularly the starting rotation when it comes to this team. And this episode is actually coming off the heels of some movements in the uh, in the rotation. Nick Pavetta uh, has just been moved to the bullpen per Alex Cora. So that's one domino that's already fallen. Garrett Whitlock will be making a start in Worcester on Sunday. That will likely be his last rehab start unless something goes wrong. So he'll be set to rejoin the team soon. And suddenly the Red Sox find themselves with six guys to make up a five-man rotation. So obviously Pavetta was the first move, but another move is going to come. Someone is either being sent down or is going to the bullpen. So, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you want your five-man rotation to be? Who's the odd man out? 
Are you making any additional moves beyond that? So, Micah, let's start with you. What do you want the five-man rotation to look like, and what's the next move you're making once Whitlock is ready to come back? That's a packed question. Um, you know, the rotation is probably the thing that is holding a lot of Red Sox fans back because if you look at the team ERA and across the league, only the Cincinnati Reds and Oakland Athletics are behind them in rotation ERA. So it's like if this doesn't get better, and honestly, if it doesn't get significantly better, it's hard to imagine them being able to be successful over the course of 162 um, with this current rotation. They need to really make improvements. Um, with the rotation, I think Paxton is an absolute lock. I think he had a pretty long leash last week um, after his strong start. I think that leash gets even longer. So I think Paxton is definite. Um, and I, I liked what I saw. I need to see more, um, but I liked what I saw. Sale, obviously, Locke, I think he's really made strides. Um, Bayo, he's continuing to develop. He's still showing signs of a young pitcher, still figuring things out. But the Red Sox are 5-1 and one in Brian Bayo starts. So to me, that's a lock. Um, Garrett Whitlock, I like his stuff. Um, I think if he can be, if he can stay healthy, that's a lock. Um, and then if it comes down to Kluber and Hauk, <laughs> that's a tough one. Um, I don't want Corey Kluber necessarily in the starting rotation. A 6-4-1 ERA, um, really not much to like, but $10 million a year, I think Kluber will be the guy. And with Hauk struggling, specifically with the second time through the order, I think Hauk goes back to the bullpen kind of in a multi-inning role. And I think you have Paxton, Sale, Bayo, Whitlock, and Kluber as your starting five, at least for the foreseeable future. Okay, so Tanner Houck to the bullpen for you and Whitlock into the rotation. Um, Terry, what do you got? Just to, you know, be efficient here, I, I have the same five that, that Micah has. Um but I got a lot of problems with it. It's not, it's not the five that I necessarily want. It's the five that I think it's going to be is what it is. Um, of those five sale, Bayo, Kluber, Paxton, and Whitlock to me, only sale and, and Bayo are like the legit guys that I think are going to be fairly solid all year. You've got Paxton and Kluber just barely hanging on to their careers at this point. And then you have to figure out, you know, you got four guys, Hauk, Whitlock, Pavetta, and Crawford for that fifth spot. Now, Garrett Whitlock just had a very good rehab outing uh, in uh, with the with the Woo Sox. He went four innings, struck out four batters, 35 of his 49 pitches were strikes. So that's about as good as you can hope for, really, uh, in terms of performance and in terms of durability. Like, apparently this ulnar neuritis thing, you know, wasn't a major deal with him. And I thought it would be. Jeffrey Springs of the Tampa Bay Rays had Tommy John surgery uh, as a result of that, uh, you know, in the last few weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I was a little skeptical and I'm like, why, 
would you even want him starting at this point? Just put him into the bullpen, see if the elbow holds up with that, and maybe you stretch him back out. But he's coming right back into it. Now, having said that, do I think Garrett Whitlock is a bona fide starter? I don't know. I, I'm I'm extremely skeptical. And, and he could get hurt again. And it could be unrelated to the elbow. It could be something else. It was a hip problem last year. He's just not a durable guy. So um, I, I just feel like this rotation is just going to be in a state of flux all year long. I don't I don't know if it's ever going to be settled, but you know I'm I'm expressing you know skepticism with Whitlock, but it just seems like everybody else out of Salem Bayo we're 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 not convinced that they can even hang anymore. Or you know you can take Crawford, Pavetta, Whitlock, or Houck. 40% of the fan base, at least on every single one of these guys, wants them in the bullpen. And, and and in some cases, it's probably higher than 40%. I mean, Tanner Houck can't, can't get it done after the first time through. He's brilliant the first time through. And then he falls apart. And then with Pavetta, same thing. He, he got off to a great start. And then... And then his mechanics go. It's like, it's crazy. It's like suddenly he needs a psychiatrist in the fourth inning. Like just something happens in his brain and he can't pitch well anymore. And he's done and we get lit up and it, you know, luckily the offense came back and, you know, and, and put up another five runs of support to, to help us win. But, um, so there's that, but Jason, go ahead. I have a follow-up question. Uh, once you give your take. Okay, so uh, full transparency, I actually would not have moved Pavetta to the bullpen if it were up to me. Um, when I was thinking about this before we got the Pavetta news, the rotation I would have gone with was Sale, Kluber, Paxton, Bayo, Pavetta, and I would have stuck both Hauk and Whitlock in the bullpen. Um, I think I've made my feelings on those two pretty clear, that I think Hauk and Whitlock are relievers in the long run. I don't think either of them can cut it as a starter. Now, knowing that Pavetta is the one in the bullpen already, the only amendment I make is I'm still moving Whitlock to the bullpen and I'll keep Tanner Houck in the starting rotation. So my rotation would go Sale, Kluber, Paxton, Bayo, Tanner Houck. Um, again, I don't think either him or Whitlock can hold up his starters. I don't think Houck has the stuff to do it. And I don't think Whitlock has the durability to do it. Um, I can already foresee him going back on the IL by the end of June or maybe even before that. I just don't think he's durable enough. I think he projects better as a reliever and I feel the same way about Tanner Houck, but you know, you, you got to put someone in that spot. Um, you know, Nick Pavetta, I, he's, he's infuriating at times, but at the very least, he's durable, and you know he can go deep into games, assuming he doesn't get blown up in the first inning. But if he doesn't, he can give you six, seven innings and maybe only give up three or four runs. And the way your offense is going right now, that's fine. That keeps you in the game. You just won a game this past series against Seattle where you know Pavetta had a disaster inning, gave up a four-run lead, but you still won the game because your offense is just that good right now. So I wouldn't have minded him staying in there um, and kind of hoping that he figures it out or hoping that he has 
another month of June like he did, you know, last year, where he, he had that month where he was just unhittable. Um, he is capable of that. It's not consistent, and it's really infuriating when he falls apart, which happens quite often. But when he gets on a roll like that, he's a valuable guy to have in your starting rotation. Um, I just I don't have a ton of faith in the guys that are in there right now. Kluber, I think, is just an absolute albatross, you know, waste of $10 million. Paxton looks really good, and I hope he keeps it up. But I'm not fully trusting him yet. Um, Bayo and Sale, I agree. I, I think that they're, you know, you're pretty much going to get what you see out of them. Hopefully Bayo starts to progress, you know, with every start, he gets better and better. But I just don't have faith that Tanner Houck, you know, is suddenly going to figure out how to get through the order a second and third time. Um, you know, I know Alex Spear, they had him in the booth, um, I think on Tuesday's game, and he made a decent point where he said, look, you know, everyone bashes the Red Sox for not developing pitching. But you're not going to develop a guy like Tanner Houck if you stick him in the bullpen. You have to let him figure out how to get through the order second and third time. And he brought up the comparison of uh, Jose Urquidy with the Houston Astros, who had a similar problem when he first joined them. He couldn't get through the order a second or third time. But Houston stuck with him, and now he's you know he's not a Cy Young candidate, but he's a valuable starting pitcher for them. So... As much as I have my reservations about Hauk, I understand that he's still a young pitcher. They obviously have a lot of faith in him. So for that reason, keep him in the rotation and hope that he has that Jose Urquidy type of revelation where he figures out how to get through the second and third time and starts going deeper into games. I think you have a better chance of that happening than Garrett Whitlock suddenly becoming you know, a workhorse and having the durability to hold up as a starter. So... That's the reason why I make those moves. Um, so, I mean, I think Pavetta ends up back in the rotation anyway. You know, is even though I don't have him in it uh, presently, and he has officially been demoted, but um, you know, Whitlock gets hurt again, or the strikeout numbers plummet as they have previously. I he's just got the there's just a lot of concerns uh, about him just getting it done on a multitude of levels. And then if Hauk, you know, gets lit up again, you know, the second or third time through, I just think Pavetta ends up back in there out of necessity. But in his last six starts, he's got a and this is Nick Pavetta, by the way, last six starts, 839 ERA with a 1.66 whip. If you want a bigger sample size, uh, oops, crap. I just lost it. In his last, I think it's 30 starts. Here it is. Um, oh, no, I lost it. He's got a, he's got a 6.30 ERA basically going back to last summer. So let, let me frame it that way. Um, and so I just, I said over the winter that, I didn't expect him to have a good season and I felt Nick Pavetta could be on the Rick Porcello program 2019. And, and that was basically Porcello's last full season in MLB. Um, he pitched for the Mets in 2020 and then the worst team in baseball didn't think he was a starting pitcher anymore. So he, you know, he hasn't pitched since and has seemingly kind of fallen off the face of the earth. He's not, 
he's not uh, present on social media or anything. But so I just I get why it happened, but at the same time, I just feel like we're just so fundamentally flawed. We're gonna get him back, whether we want to or not. Question for you guys: Does Paxton or Kluber will they? serve a, a role in the bullpen if it comes down to it or do you think they're just straight up going to be dfa'd i think there's a chance one of them could serve a role in the bullpen um they may not want to but you know i, I feel like if it were to happen kluber would be the guy that he would end up going to the pen maybe he would be uh sort of like the long relief piggyback guy for Hauk. you know if Hauk only makes it four innings and they feel like he's starting to slip, bring in Kluber for two and two thirds or something to bridge it to your bullpen. Um, something like that. I, I just think, I don't know. I think Kluber's a, enough of a professional that, you know, he, you wouldn't have to drag him there kicking and screaming, especially if, you know, by June, he still has an ERA North of six as a starter. I mean, you know, rea the reality will be what it will be. Um, so, and, you know, he's making $10 million. That's that's tough in terms of DFAing and, and all that. So I think, if anything, Kluber would be the guy to go to the bullpen. Um, but, you know, hopefully he turns it around. But if he doesn't, I, I think he's the candidate to go. Because I think Paxton, if he stays healthy, James Paxton has been a pretty consistent performer throughout his career. You know, he's he's going to be good if he can stay on the mound. So I don't see him going to the bullpen, if anything, he may become one of your more valuable starters if he if he stays healthy. So to me, it would be Kluber. Yeah, I think uh, Paxton is an absolute lock for the to stay in the rotation. I think even if his health is a question, I think they're going to try to get him to start games um, with Kluber. I think the question that you have to kind of ask is is he even valuable in the bullpen because he throws 86, 87 miles an hour? You know, what type of value does he provide other than just a flat out innings eater when the game's out of control? Um, I wouldn't, I don't want to see him take a, a roster spot uh, away from Cutter Crawford. Um, I would much rather see Justin Garza get a look than, than Corey Kluber in the bullpen. Like at least give me a guy who can, you know, get some swings and misses um, and you're not going to give up uh, two, two, three hits an inning because his Kluber's whip is just outrageous. Um, I, I think you, you, you could move him to the bullpen because I don't know if I can see the front office eating half of that $10 million or whatever it would be if they decide to actually make a move. I think their pride would probably get in the way and say, well, we got to try to find some use out of Corey Kluber and the bullpen he goes. Um, but I just, a guy throwing 86, 87 doesn't intrigue me whatsoever going to the bullpen. I mean, could he throw harder if he only had to throw an inning or two? Maybe, but what's he topping out at that 90, 91? I just, Corey Kluber has shown absolutely nothing minus that Baltimore start. Um, and even then, I mean, he still kind of got hit around, but he hasn't shown the ability to consistently throw strikes. And if you're throwing 86 or 87, how are you not locating on the corner with every pitch? Because that's how you're going to get hitters out. So I just, Corey Kluber, I need to see a lot from him to even 
consider moving him to the bullpen. To me, it's to me he looks like a DFA guy right now, and I, I, they won't do it. But I, I just don't know what value he really has if you're trying to compete. I think with Kluber, it's not so much that he's not locating. I, I think he just got so used to guys chasing that they're just not chasing anymore. And, and therefore, his stuff isn't playing. Um, now, I'm going bo- to make a bold statement here. If he gets absolutely crushed on Sunday, I think there's a reasonable chance he could be cut right then. I mean, the one guy we haven't really talked about is Cutter Crawford. And as of right now, he's got a long relief role, but you have Nick Pavetta in that role. And I quietly think he can give you a couple innings. Um, Josh Winkowski is thriving in that role. You don't really need more than two, especially with our offense, because you're going to have games like tonight. You're just winning by a wide margin as we did on Wednesday. And you're still going to need the other guys to get their work in, you know, Chris Martin, uh, Kenley Jansen, Schreiber, they're, I guess they're optimistic he's going to be back f- from that lat strain, you know, relatively quickly. But um, so I just don't really see a long roll for Kluber at this point. And I think he could. Now, I gave the same take on Chris Sale after uh, the third week. I said, ah, oh, he's gone by the end of June. They're just going to cut him. Um, you know, it was that start where it was pounding the cooler, you know. Um, so. I so and you know Paxton. I just feel like he's going to pull something. He pulled his ass muscle a couple of years ago and missed starts. He pulled a muscle in his butt. Uh, I'm not kidding. Uh, it, it's called a glute, actually. Um, but yeah, so I just I he's in the Whitlock category for me as far as um, durability, but. So, I mean, we agree on four for now. Sale, Bayo, Kluber, Paxton, and we differ on, uh, you know, who we think the fifth guy should be. But I think that's going to be a never-ending debate this year, for better or worse. I mean, if we go on this run and make the postseason that fifth spot, you know, all season long, the fan base is going to be like, no, it should be this guy. No, it should be that guy. And it's going to change by the day, you know. So... We'll see. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there is some validity to that, that, yeah, if Kluber just continues to get shelled, at what point do you just say, yeah, it costs us $10 million, but it's just the experiment didn't work. It's just there's nothing you can do with him. But at the same time, I felt the same way about Garrett Richards, and he stayed on this team like a cockroach to a nuclear war. I mean, just no matter what, they wouldn't get rid of him. So that $10 million price tag um, – can, can be a difference maker when it comes to that. That's the only thing that would concern me a little bit with Kluber. So I think you're right, though. I think at the end of the day, this rotation is going to look different probably every couple of weeks with this team, just based on injuries and performance. So um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, it, it, without a doubt, the starting pitching has to improve. This team wants any chance of competing for a wild card starting pitching has to improve. The offense isn't going to score 12 runs every game. So they definitely got to turn it around. Uh, So moving on from the Red Sox and moving to more pitching league-wide, interesting stuff going on as it pertains to injuries and how much of it is related to the pitch clock. Um, There's a lot of injured pitchers right now 
in Major League Baseball. Uh, Micah, you looked this up before the show, and there's 162 pitchers currently on the IL in across baseball. Um, now, obviously, some of those are guys who are coming off Tommy John, you know, prior to the pitch clock, you know, injuries that may have happened. But either way, that's like an average of five pitchers per team that are on the IL in baseball right now. Just a huge number. And there's a theory that it could be tied to the pitch clock, that these guys are now, because they have to rush every pitch, they're not getting the chance to, uh, quote unquote, recharge their arm before they get up there enough to throw 98 on the black again. Um, there's, you know, there's that theory. Then there's, you know, a lot of pitchers are going to this driveline facility and these other pitching labs where they're adding new pitches to their arsenal, but also adding velocity. They're, you know, adding a couple of ticks on the, on the radar gun to their fastball. So there's a lot of different theories going around as to why there's so many injuries, uh, you know, for pitchers around baseball right now. Um, Micah, what do you think it's more, do you think it's more the pitch clock or do you think it's more these pitching labs and guys are just going a little too crazy with that? I would probably say it's a combination. And I mean, there's no way of knowing because, you know, the sweeper as it has become the popular term that has really, um, taken baseball by storm, but also, this year the pitch clock got introduced. So it's kind of like both of these happened at the same time. So there's no way of knowing. Um, but five teams have nine pitchers on the IL. I mean, that that is just crazy. Um, I mean, I don't even know how you survive that. Now, again, not everyone from this year. So it's not all linked to the pitch clock. But this year alone, I mean, there are some big names, some front of the rotation names. And I'm going to go through them just because – you know, it, it's the game is lacking starting pitching. I think the game needs starting pitching. I think I still think there's a large portion of the fan base that really wants to know who is the starting pitcher that day. Um, you know, these openers that that happened a couple years ago, mainly by the Tampa Bay Rays, you couldn't even name who the opener was. Um, and I think the pitching needs, we need that starting pitcher back in the game. And I mean, listen to all of these starting pitchers that are on the IL, whether it's arm injury or, you know, just an injury with the legs, but could all be linked to the pitch clock. We have Kyle Wright, Max Freed, we have Garrett Litlock, Lance McCullers Jr., Jose Urquidy, Luis Garcia, Herman Marquez, Tristan McKenzie, Dustin May, Trevor Rogers, Brandon Woodruff. Tyler Maley, Robert Suarez, Andres Munoz, Robbie Ray, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, Jacob DeGrom. I mean, that list is it, we're only it's May, it's the middle of May, and we have that many arms um, injured, and it's just bad for the game. With the pitch clock, these guys are max effort almost every single pitch. And it's I'm not the first person to say, but if you just go to the gym and you lift heavy weights and you try to do it as much as you can, you need breaks in between sets. And if you just don't have breaks, you either get really fatigued, and when you get fatigued, that's when injuries happen. So, I mean, either the pitchers have to take a little bit off and not be max effort every time, or I, I just don't see a scenario where these injuries don't continue to occur. 
Um, I, I think the the focus on spin rate and 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 trying to maximize velocity even on off speed pitches absolutely is playing into effect with these injuries. Um, but I think it's kind of like the perfect, not the perfect storm, but it's just a, it's a brutal storm where these two things are coming together and these guys' arms just cannot hold up and it's, it's bad for the game. Yeah. I mean that, that list you rattled off, there's, um, a couple of Cy Young candidates in there that we're not able to see right now. So definitely a concern. Uh, Terry, what are your thoughts? I mean, just look at the Tampa Bay Rays right now. Uh, all the injuries they have, um, you know, glass now his isn't an arm injury, but who knows? I mean, it's an oblique that could still be related to his mechanics that happened in spring training. You've got Shane Baz, Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen out. Rasmussen didn't also go directly onto the 15 day. They put him directly onto the 60 day and, the show is is going on in Tampa, but how long before a guy like Shane McClanahan has a problem? And there's something organizationally that they're doing to break their pitchers. And I think every organization is probably doing what they're doing to some extent. You know, the Dodgers, I mean, Dustin May went out today after 16 pitches. Uh, what's his name? Rob Friedman, the pitching ninja on Twitter, who had built this massive account by showing just clips of the nastiness of, of certain pitchers with the the movement, you know, on their slider and their changeup and their sweepers and all that. And moments after he posted the Dustin May one, he's out with a forearm flexor issue. So that's probably a couple of months that that the Dodgers aren't going to have Dustin May, who they desperately need. They had a lot of the Dodgers had a lot of uh, pitching concerns coming into the season. And yeah. And so not having May now after he just finally returned from Tommy John, that's just a major blow. And so as Micah, you know, raised questions about the pitch clock. I'll, I'll raise one more with the results that it's yielded in terms of pace of play and games being two and a half hours, two hours and 40 minutes. Is there a scenario where Rob Manfred would admit he's wrong and say, okay, this is a bad idea because it's, it's hurting our pitchers or stubbornly. Is he just, too obsessed with pace of play to admit that he's wrong and that the pitching clock could possibly be a, a flawed concept. Well, if the MLB players union starts to get pissed that all their guys are getting hurt and they decide to blame it on the pitch clock, then Manfred's got a real problem on his hands because the MLB players union is one of the strongest in all of sports. And We've seen lockouts happen before. Um, we've seen drastic action happen before because of them. So um, if I'm Manfred, I, you know, if the, if the players start complaining and they start saying, look, we get it, pace of play is better, we get that the games are shorter and that's good, but this is legitimately hurting our guys, then he has to at least be able to – he has to be open to amending the pitch clock. 
Um, I don't think he would ever completely take it away and say, yep, it was a mistake. It's going to go away forever because that's just going to set the sport back, you know, to where it was before where people were just tuning out and the game was losing popularity, but maybe he gives them an extra five seconds. You know, maybe, maybe it's a small adjustment like that to say, okay, you know, if, if I give you all an extra five, is that enough to kind of get your arm back, recharge a little bit so that you're not all getting hurt? Maybe it starts with that. Um, the other thing too, is like, it's funny because Tampa, they, they run their pitchers into the ground. Um, I don't know what it is exactly they do that, that results in so many injuries, but they just, they do, they break their pitchers. But, you know, three of the guys you mentioned on that list were Houston Astros, you know, Luis Garcia, Lance McCullers, Jose Urquidy. The Astros have a really good, robust pitching program. Um, they take care of their guys and even their guys are getting hurt. Now McCullers is, you know, He's kind of injury prone a little bit, but regardless, like for it to be happening in Houston, that's kind of alarming. Uh, they they usually take pretty good care of their guys. So I think that should raise some eyebrows at the league office. And maybe Manfred does have to look at it and, and make some adjustments because you can't have starting pitchers going down left and right like this. And you can't stubbornly press forward and say, well, too bad. You either adjust or or you don't. Like some, you know, if they do find some science or whatever that ties it to the pitch clock, then it needs to be addressed for sure. The uh, bringing up Luis Garcia is interesting because he's the guy who had the rock the baby, and he had that very elaborate um, wind up. But again, that was a way for his body to build up. And he was very successful, and he did that for a long time. And now in an offseason, he had to get rid of that. And it's just ironic that, you know, he has this windup. He has to scratch it, and now he's injured. I just I, – I don't – I do think those two are – you can't tell me they're not linked. Um, in, in terms of pace of play, I don't think the pitch clock is going anywhere. And I, I am in favor of the pitch clock. I think it definitely makes the game more enjoyable. There's more action. Um, but I don't know if they have the proper time. It does seem a little fast. Sometimes when I'm watching the game, I go, wow, the guy's like, he's throwing again. It's just like, we're, we, we were so used to, you know, just no time. Time didn't mean anything in baseball. And now it really does. And now these old, there's all these, you know, very intricate rules about being in the batter's box and this. It's just, I don't, maybe they've taken it a little too far and they could ease off of it a little bit. Um, I'm not sure they'll do that because I think they they like the idea of games being over in two and a half hours. Um, but I do think one way for maybe less arm injuries is to reward pitchers who are durable. You know, the the way for guys to get into the big leagues is throw as hard as you can. If you can throw 98, 99, 100, you can at least probably become a reliever and end up in someone's bullpen, and that's your path to the major leagues. But if you can be a productive starter and maybe only throw 92 to 94, but you're an innings eater, and if teams start paying for that because those are hard to find, you know, maybe guys will say, you know what, I don't need to throw 98, 99, 100 miles an hour. I can be a guy who hits spots and maybe I have a four, four and a half ERA, but I throw 200 innings. I mean, last year, 
I think there were eight or nine guys who topped 200 innings. And it just seems like that number is getting lower and lower and lower where, you know, 10 years ago, it felt like that number was in the twenties or thirties, you know, and you go even further, it was like every guy would throw 200 innings. Um, and maybe if teams start to value guys who can throw 180 to 200 innings, maybe we see more pitchers who are saying, you know, what, I'm not going to be max effort, but I'm going to be a guy who teams can count on for innings. And if you pay those guys, maybe more guys will develop into those guys. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And like, I do wonder how the analytics crowd would look at an argument like that because hitters are getting better too. So, you know, pitchers are coming up, they're throwing 100, 102, you know, um, you know, just regularly with ease. Um, with a lot of movement. And that's why a lot of these guys are going to, you know, facilities like drive lines so that they can add more break to their two seam fastball, stuff like that. Um, but hitters, bat speed is probably going up. I mean, the, these young hitters who are coming into the game now, like your Bo Bichette's, your Ron Lacuna's, who just with ease can, you know, hit a ball and, and have it go 112 off their bat. Um, so, you know, I, I just wonder how like the analytics crowd and some of these GMs would look at an argument like that of saying, well, yeah, he can throw a lot of innings, but if he's only throwing 93, you know, he's not going to miss many bats. And we'd rather have the guy. Yeah, he might burn out, but I'd rather have the guy who throws 102 because I need someone who can strike out Ronald Acuna. And, you know, the guy who throws in the low 90s can't do it. But this guy who throws 100 with insane movements, he can. And. You know, it sounds cold, but GMs are probably looking at it going, you know, if he, you know, if his arm blows up by the time he's 28, not my problem. You know, I, I, I just won't pay him. So that, that's kind of what the Tampa Rays do. They just, you know, they draft these guys, they develop them, they, they throw nasty stuff. But then by the time they're 26, 27, they go, yeah, someone else can sign you because we already know your damaged goods. We, we ran you into the ground, but, you know, you got us our, our, you know, third division title in however many years or whatever. So unfortunately it's kind of the way the game goes. Um, so I don't know if there would ever be a shift like that, but you know, maybe, maybe that is one way to combat it. I don't know. I guess my final thought on this is just the ever evolving circumstances are just insane. I mean, the juiced baseballs, I guess they're not as juiced as they used to be, but just imagine the, the pressure that was put on pitching to have to try to combat that and, and not have these stupid balls that should be dying 30 feet in front of the warning track now going over the fence. So they've got that to contend with. I think it would be fair to question if the new base stealing rules could be causing perhaps some injuries because now they got to they got to get their delivery a little bit quicker to the plate um you know and the the stress of that situation could could lead to stuff it's just you know it is possible to fix something until it literally breaks <laughs> and we're, we're seeing a lot of broken pitchers so you know we'll never really be able to assign, you know, a precise amount of blame on, on certain aspects, but, but it's, uh, the game's more scientific than ever. And, and maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and with the, 
the pitch clock and all these new rules coming in, it's, um, you know, it, it, it does lead to stuff like this. And, um, that connection doesn't, you know, continue to put more guys on the IL and hopefully some of these pitchers can make adjustments. The guys who are hurt can get healthy again. And, uh, it won't be an issue because I think we can all agree. We don't want the pitch clock going anywhere. Um, it, cause it has worked. It's made, it's sped up the game. It's made the game a little bit better. So, um, We'll see. You know, it's something to definitely keep an eye on because uh, that's a lot of injuries early on. You know, it's only May and there's so many guys that, that are missing. So hopefully it improves, um, but we'll just have to see. So that will do it for us for this roundtable episode. Um, the next time we'll have you guys is the weekend crew. Uh, they'll be with you on Monday. They'll be wrapping up the San Diego Padres series and they'll be previewing the series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Red Sox on a little bit of a West Coast trip right now. So uh, with that, we will see you guys next week. Everyone take care.